Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Being Whole podcast. Today, my brother is joining me. He has a great story of purpose and curiosity that is sure to inspire you. Let's dive into this episode with my brother, Dr. Patrick LeClaire. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Being Whole with Dr. Cassandra LeClaire. That's me. I am here today with Dr. Patrick LeClaire, who is the chair of physics at the University of Alabama. And Dr. Patrick LeClaire also happens to be here because of nepotism, um, because he is my big brother. And I wanted him to come on and tell us a little bit more about his life and what it is that he does as the chair of physics at the University of Alabama. So um, welcome, Patrick. Thank you for being here. I'm really excited that we get a chance to talk a little bit. Well, thanks for having me. Um, so I kind of want to jump right into the whole physics part. Okay. So I know you're going to tell us a lot about the different areas of your life and just different things you do to manage stress and the ways that you talk to people, but it's always interesting to me when you tell people what you do, that, um, people, first of all, are always really impressed by it. You know, they're like, Oh, physics. Ooh. And then they also kind of simultaneously, it seems like shut down and don't really listen to what you do because they say things like, Oh, I can yeah. never do that. Or it's hard, or I don't understand. So I'm sure that that can be hard sometimes because you do really cool things and you don't really get to talk about them always um, to people who right. are not within your department. So tell us what you do. Tell us what you as a physicist, what's what's your job like? Well, you know, I, I, I do get that question a lot. What do you do? And you say physics. Oh, I hated physics in high school. I'm like, well, you know what? I hate whatever it is you do too, man. I, I <laughs> You know, so I guess a lot of it is just, you know, your people's introduction to physics is a little bit scary, you know, if you took a physics course and, you know, it's something we are actively working on um, and something I have to worry about a lot as a department chair. But I mean, what we really do is just, you know, it's like any other kind of science. I'm an experimental physicist. So I try to, I try to, try to solve problems and answer questions, you know, why do things work the way they do? Um, so it's a lot of just being curious and then being systematic about things. So, okay, so you say, you know, solving problems and being curious about things. So it, as an experimental physicist, like what types of problems are you interested in? Like what kinds of questions are you asking? Right, so one of the things we worry about right now, you know, that I'm specifically working on is if I take a bunch of, of chemical elements and combine them together, like what am I gonna get out of that? Um, okay. So if I take a pile of iron and cobalt and silicon or something, and I just mix them together, what's going to come out of that? And like that turns out to be hard, even if you only have a few elements to predict what you're going to get. You know, so to turn that around and say, well, gee, I'd really like a material that's sort of like this, but has slightly better properties to figure out how do you do that? Well, now by knowing how things form and what their properties are, I can then think about modifying them and, and making them better stuff like that. Okay, that makes sense. So then is it something when you're looking at all of those different um, ways that you're doing things, that's where all of the math and science comes in that a lot of people, that's where they get bogged down and then they don't want to talk to you about it also, right? Because again, right. like you said, not everybody had positive experiences with those classes. So then it, I think people don't always even want to listen to what you have to say then, right? Right. And, you know, sort of distinguishing, like, did you not like physics because you didn't like physics or because you didn't like the math you had to use, right? And that's, that's a huge problem of, you know, learning math maybe before you are able to appreciate what it's good for or why it's useful. And for us, it's just, that's the language you speak. If I want to know if something is true, I mean, I have to quantify things. I can't 
uh, we can't guess or say that looks about right. What do you mean by about right? Okay, we use math to quantify things and this side is this better than this? Uh, to what degree? Is it a coincidence? Um, and that, that kind of thing shows up everywhere, you know, polls require a lot of math to figure out so-and-so has a one-digit lead in the poll. Does that mean anything at all? Well, there's a lot of math behind that. I mean, I know your own research work, like when you're doing your doctorate, you had to do stats, right? And it's, mm -hmm. it's not different than that, but it, the math we use can be a little scarier than, <laughs> than what some other people use, I suppose. Well, it's really interesting to hear you talk about it in that way, because I think that this is why your students also like you so much, too, is because you have a, a great way of explaining it in a way that does make sense and that does feel relevant, you know, because I think that that's part of it, too. It's exactly what you're saying. You know, when you learn these things in school, sometimes you don't see the application or you don't you don't know why it's going to be useful or where it even shows up. So I think it's cool right. the ways that you just are able to show the different ways that physics does show up, like in people's daily lives and things like that. So, okay, talk to me a little bit more. I know that you're teaching classes, you're doing research and you're working on a bunch of different things. So what, and in addition to your normal, you know, tasks at the university now, things have really changed with COVID and everything like that. So how are you adapting and shifting as a department and, and changing in the midst of all of this? I mean, it's, it's really difficult to, uh, to balance what, you know, working at a university or I suppose a large company, balancing what's in the best interest of the entire unit, like the University of Alabama, and what the system is going to do to maintain itself versus what's best for the people I supervise, right? Mm -hmm. So what would be the safest thing of all for my faculty teaching? Well, to do it not in the classroom. That's obviously safer. There is no question it would be safer not to be in contact with people. But, you know, we, we've reached a point where we can't do that anymore. Um, mm -hmm. That's our institutional constraint. Things have to be in person. We have to be a little more back to normal or we have larger problems. Um, and I don't agree with the way everything goes like that, but that's, that's the system we're living in, right? Um, so part of it is balancing all these different constraints and just trying to be reasonable about things. Um, yeah. Is on, on both ends, there's a big, there can be a big overreaction to say like, all right, let's look at the world we're actually living in, not the one, you know, that you're imagining in your head, but the real thing we got to deal with. How do we best get ourselves through this, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's a big part of it. I mean, in everything you're saying, I'm sitting over here because I'm like, yeah, look at all this communication <laughs> because that's really what it is. Exactly what you're saying. You know, we're all part of the system trying to figure out how to navigate it, but it's like all the communication channels and the breakdowns and the ways that it can go sideways with so many different, um, there are different expectations and there are different structures that have to be upheld. And I think that that's what people at universities are facing in a lot of different ways too in different organizations. Um, do you think that, you know, just even the ways that your faculty and the ways that you're going through things, do you feel like um, people are a little bit back to normal though, or do you feel like it's still? It's, uh, it still varies a lot. Um, mm -hmm. So it's two things, one is, you mentioned communications and because I'm tenured, I can say this, you know, our communication at University of Alabama above the like departmental level is absolutely atrocious. You know, my <laughs> college does pretty that? well on it. <laughs> tenured man, what are they going to do? Um, no, but our, our communication at the higher levels of administration is abysmal. It's awful. We spend a lot of our time not knowing what's going on. So, you know, you, you react the best way you can in a way you think is not going to 
not going to cause any permanent trouble. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, but so far as being back to normal, sorry, mm -hmm. um, it varies a lot because one thing I found out being the person who at one level has to evaluate, you know, exceptions and remote work agreements and stuff like that is just how many people that you know are not really well enough to be involved in all this, you know, so-and-so can't get vaccinated. So-and-so, if they get COVID, even being vaccinated could have huge problems, you know? Um, so you realize that some people are not going to get back to normal for a long time. They can't. Mm -hmm. um, some people are so far in denial, they never stop being back to normal. There was never anything but what they thought was normal, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. the rest in between, who a lot of the time just have no idea what's really safe at the moment. What do I have to do versus uh, what do I, I think I should do? You know, it's, it's just very messy. So I think one thing is just to be, uh, at least at my level, as transparent with the faculty as possible to say, look, I know what just came out um, and we're being gaslighted. That's not true. And this is what we're going to do instead. <laughs> or sometimes yeah. it's, hey, this is actually a good idea. We're going to follow this, you know, and just navigate it as best you can in a way that lets you sleep at night. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I think that that's what's interesting is that, you know, I'm, I know there are probably a lot of people who will listen to this who will relate to that on their own levels of organizational climate and organizational structures or just those feelings of, yeah, you know, sometimes it's like what messages are real and which ones are the ones that we have to pay attention to or, or like you said, even the gaslighting or and things like that. It's just it, it, it's hard to tell, especially in times like this, when things are more uncertain, because everybody does want a little certainty too, or they want some structure. And so you're seeking that, but then it's like, how do you know what of it is, you know, to pay attention right. to versus what is something, somebody else's agenda. Okay, so I want to shift gears a little bit, because I know we're kind of weaving around like the physics and what's happening at the university but I also want to talk about like what brought you to the university and like where you've been a little bit so obviously uh, you became a physicist and um you had a very interesting journey to even get there so you went to school you left home in high school you went to um Andover to private school for your senior year then you went to MIT and then you went to the Netherlands. Okay. So talk to us a little bit about what that was like <laughs> to, you know, leave home at such a young age and to learn all these things and navigate this and really do these oh big gosh. things. Hey, I hope you're loving this story with Patrick as much as I loved hearing it again. If you're loving this episode, will you DM me one thing that you loved about it? You can do so on Instagram by searching for me at Dr. Cassandra LeClaire and sending me a message. While you're there, I'd be so honored if you'd give me a follow because I'm trying to connect with more people that resonate with what I'm doing and it would really just mean so much to me. Now let's finish the rest of the episode with Patrick. Um, so I guess the, you know, the leaving South Dakota to go to Andover was probably the the hardest and weirdest of all the moves, um, not realizing, you know, in early 1990s rural South Dakota that you were a lot more isolated than you thought you were, right? Um, uh, so, that, I mean, that was a big culture shock, but it was all about, you know, I don't, I don't have any regrets or ill will towards anything that happened there. It was just, there are no more classes here I can take that I want to take. I don't want to waste a year of school um, taking stuff that is, has no interest for me. So what are my options? You know, one was going to college early. I didn't like that idea. The other was to find another school to go to. So that's what I did. Um, and I 
I really enjoyed my time at MIT after that. That was much less of a culture shock, having spent time in Boston already at that point in Andover. Um, <clears throat> and then grad school, I was thinking about what I wanted to do. I really wanted to do research. I wanted to do materials, physics, that kind of thing. And uh, there was a, a visiting scientist in the lab from the Netherlands who said, well, you should come to the Netherlands. We have this great, amazing lab, you know, we're very well equipped, you would love it there. I said, okay, I'll apply. Um, so I got an interview and I, the big chief there emailed me and, and said, you know, what, when can you come arrange all that? So I'm like, whatever, at least I get a free trip to the Netherlands. I don't know what my, my odds are here, right? So I, I finally get there and I'm in the big chief's office, you know, the head professor and, and he says, how was your flight? I'm like, well, it was pretty terrible, but you know, it was long, but it's all right. It, it's fine. Um, <clears throat> it, but I, I'll, I'll be all right. And then he said, well, when do you want to start? I'm like, well, I hadn't thought about this at all. I assumed I didn't have much of a chance. <laughs> I wasn't going to get the offer within like five minutes. So I said, um, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead. I'll come. So how about August 1st? I said, well, I have to move and stuff. How about August 15th? He's like, the 15th it is. And that wow. was it. And I spent two days just looking around, getting to know people, you know, seeing the facilities and the city and everything. And, and that was that. Three months later, I moved to the Netherlands for four years. Um, I yeah, that's, that's so strange to me to think about. And just even, okay, you know, what you what you just said, you know, the, the culture shock of leaving South Dakota and going to Andover and spending time in Boston, like it was a much different culture shock than all those moves because, you know, just when, especially in high school for you, there, we weren't on the internet constantly. There wasn't all of this where you can just go and find everything so easily, you know, to know what other people were experiencing. You weren't just watching YouTube videos about Boston to learn about it or what have you. Yeah, I mean, this was 1993. Right? So before Al Gore invented the internet. Right, right. <laughs> but then, you know, also when you think, you know, you just said it so nonchalantly, you know, so then I moved to the Netherlands. And so just even thinking about these like big life changes that you had and that you made, and you really did these things like kind of on your own and, and, and figuring out what that was going to look like and where you wanted to go. But I think what's so inspirational to me about that is because it was all fueled by your desire to have this career that you have. You know, that was really what your goal was, what you were driven to do and what you were working for. And so I think it's, um, you know, it's really interesting to look at the, the ways that you've made decisions to bring you to where you are right now. You know, I think it's really cool that you've taken so many, um, so many risks and done so many big things like that just because you wanted to be a physicist so bad, you know, like that was a lot of work. Right. <laughs> I guess that's like a big thing at the moment, right? Risk versus reward. Um, so I, I, I said, I'd like to the faculty and students a lot. I said, okay, what is, what are you getting out of this risk potentially? Is it even worth it? So I mean, for me, moving abroad was, was like that. I'm like, I, it's known that they're a very good scientist and have very good equipment. It's known that they have a very good environment for doing this. It's known, you know, depending on your point of view, that they have a very healthy society that, you know, they're, they aren't going to let you fall between the cracks and like that. I will be fine there. So like yeah. the only real risk was I might not like living there, but it's four years, you know, I, <clears throat> Four years sounds like a long time. I mean, even at, especially at that age when you're, <clears throat> you know, just in your early 20s. But so, you know, four years I can do. You know, yeah. there was, I visited, I knew it was going to be all right. Um, so for me, the risk was relatively low. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that's a good way to put it. You're just always so logical in your thinking. It's crazy to me that we're related. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, obviously you, I know you're a busy guy and you got a lot going on. So how do you manage your life? You've got two kids, you have a wife, you have a house, you have dogs, you have all of these things. So how do you, you know, I, I hate the word balance. I hate asking people how they manage their life in that way, because I think, you know, we chase these ideas of, of balance and then we, we never really get there. So what do you do to de-stress? How do you keep yourself whole, Patrick? Um, I guess one of the things I learned like at MIT was, you know, you, that was an environment you will always have more work than you can manage, like by construction, that's on purpose, that you will always have too much to do. And the idea is, you know, figure out when 90% is good enough. Um, mm. So for instance, like in the context that they're doing homework or something, you know, I have four classes that have homework uh, and I'm working on one class. I get 90% of the way through it in an hour. The last 10% is going to cost me two hours, um, but it's going to keep me from doing three other classes. So I got to learn to let that 10% go if 90% gets the job done well enough, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and figure out again the risk versus reward and sometimes that's as simple as or asking like or what like what if I what if I say no to this or what if I don't do it then what and a lot of times you find yourself realizing not a hell of a lot really. <laughs> you know um, that's so true okay I'm totally going to take what you just said and like use that when I talk about boundaries to another example. <laughs> it's the same with meetings you know and somebody's they always say couldn't this be an email I'm like yeah Let's, let's make this an email. I'm not meeting with you right now. Yeah. And that's, no, I mean, I think that you really are. It's so funny to me because I see boundaries come up in almost every conversation, but that's what so much of that is, right? Is like, you're protecting your time and your energy in ways that you can. And you're right. I love how you said that too. It's like by design, there's, there was always more work than, than you could. Right. And I think that that's where so often we get stuck in that overwhelm of there is, I, I do, I get terribly stuck in that. Oh my goodness, there's so many things to do. How am I going to manage all this? How can I do things? And so it is like, yeah, taking the step back, like you said, and figuring out where the 90% is. And then also, yeah, right. the risk of it. And that's where too, you know, even just what you said about, you know, what's, what's going to happen if I say no. And so often, if you don't think about it that way, you know, we'll say yes to things because we do think there's going to be these huge catastrophic, you know, um, things that happen if we don't say yes, or we are, somebody's going to be mad or disappointed or right. things are going to fall apart or whatever it is. So like also just being honest with ourselves about like, okay, yeah, what really would happen? And what is the cost to me sometimes too, if I keep saying yes to things? So, okay. What else do you do? How do you keep it? Um, I guess one is, you know, just, there are always a lot, a lot of things to do and being overwhelmed, I guess, you know, I make I make a list of what has to be done. I prioritize them. Sometimes it's informal, like this started out as a list and now it's very messy and complicated because that's how things work sometimes. Um, Just make sure I I know what has to be done and out of these things, which one will have the most severe consequences if I don't do it, you know? Mm -hmm. And what's, I guess, the making sure you can sleep well at night. Which of these things will keep me up if I don't do them? So sometimes that means, all right, I'm going to do this thing at 11 p.m. Because if I don't, I'm going to be turning it over my head. I'm going to wake up at night. I'm going to wake up in the morning and it's going to gnaw at me. So I'm going to do that now and and sleep well. You're so Uh, disciplined and structured. Once again, how are we related? (laughs) Yeah, that's that's the 
know, the irony is to be able to do things that way, you have to leave your, your time kind of unstructured. Like my calendar is pretty blank a lot of the days. And it's like, you know, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Just get shit done. That's yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. no, that's exactly what it is. I relate to that so much. You know, people ask me, what do you have today? It's like, I don't even want to tell you what I have today because there's a huge list. It's just more. Yeah. It's get so, shit done. That's what I have today. <laughs> yeah. Try to so, work through this list. <laughs> So obviously, you know, you live in Tuscaloosa, working at the university, um, Roll Tide. So we, um, you go to games, you are part of a big college atmosphere. Do you find yourself like enjoying um, that feeling still? Do you like being in the college, um, college town? Is that, what's that like? I, I still like that. I mean, I'm at an age now, 45, where, I mean, it could be out in the suburbs and why, you know, why is your light still on at 9 p.m.? And why are you making so much noise and whatever? Like, no, I like being in town and surrounded by people with energy and, and younger people, you know, um, it just keep, keeps things from getting boring. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally, I totally relate to that. I love being on campus and being around my students and just, um, I think it's the ideas and the exploration and you're around people who always are open to learning because that's what they're there for. So it kind of just creates this different type of energy where you are, you know, there's so many possibilities and thoughts and ideas just kind of swirling around. And so it feels, it feels infectious in a good way. <laughs> right. There's definitely no drudgery. Like I'm stumbling into the building and like, I'm going to get through my job and I'm going to clock out and wait for the weekend. And, you know, it's always, it's very rare. I get as far as my office without being stopped by something, you know, <laughs> Either Dr. LeClaire, you're here, we need X, or like, hey, let's just pop in and talk to the staff or something like that. You know, there's always yeah. something fun going on. Yeah. But, okay, so tell us a little bit more. Is there anything else that you have coming up that you've worked on recently that you want to talk about? Um, I guess one right now, I'm pretty, I'm pretty consumed with keeping the department running to the point that I have to remind myself, dude, you have a class today. You got to get ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, it's definitely challenging dealing with, hey, so-and-so has to be quarantined for 10 days or, you know, hey, so-and-so is not feeling well, going to be home to be on the safe side. And, you know, it's navigating all that weirdness um, <clears throat> is pretty time consuming and stressful. Um, but I guess so far as, you know, research work, we're working on some new materials we're really excited about. So I'm, I'm not getting in the lab much myself, but I'm sort of on the back end, like helping with the analysis and coordination and helping my students understand how things are and what to do next. And, and that's, that's a lot of fun. I mean, I miss sometimes being hands-on in the lab, but I, it's sort of like recognizing where you can be most useful, right? Like, yeah. <clears throat> what is your, your best role? Um, so far as coming up, I mean, honestly, you know, I would think like, okay, we got through another week, nothing bad happened, you know, we're, we're slipping past all this somehow, and you're like, okay, only 10 weeks to go, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so at the moment, it's, you know, just, it's a lot of just reacting, right? Like, I can plan all I want, but early in the summer, I plan and thought, hey, I've got football tickets, we're going to be more or less back to normal, we get a vaccine, and then not so much, right? So now knowing everything can change inside a, a two or three week window, you know, it's a lot of, maybe write that in pencil. Yeah, yeah, 
for sure. Like that's, that's exactly is yeah. Not, not getting too attached to any plan because you recognize now how quickly it could change. Right. Yeah. 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 So where can, um, you know, where can people find out more about you or learn more about your job and what it is that you do? Um, so I guess the easiest place would be to go to our departmental website. So there's physics.ua.edu and astronomy.ua.edu. And there it'll tell you about you know, our program, our research. I've got a little snippet page there. Um, and that's where you'd find contact information. So if you really want to know more, just you know, shoot me an email or something. Uh, I'd be happy to talk. Uh, you know, also like on our astronomy page, astronomy.ua.edu, way back in the beginning of the pandemic, we started virtual public nights. So when we couldn't invite people to the observatory to look through the telescope. Uh, we started filming some of those and doing dialogues between astronomers and, and all that. So that's still there and, and need to look at if you like stargazing. And that's, a, that's the best thing about that end is that requires no math at all. It's just looking at cool stuff. <laughs> it is looking at cool stuff. And that is, um, that's really awesome that you get to share that with people and that people can, can do that. And I think that it was really great to be able to talk to you today. It was just fun to hear you like say some of these different tools that you use and even the ways that you talk about your job. It's so interesting to me because we do so many similar things, but in such a different way too. You know, it, it's right. so, yeah. <laughs> so is there anything else you want to leave the audience with or anything that you want to touch on before we go today? I guess two things I kind of wrote in my, my notes, I was trying to think of what I would talk about. Um, one is like, you need the mental breaks, which I think everybody is well aware of in month 19 or whatever this is of a global pandemic. But I mean, you got to keep yourself in shape too. Like, um, I definitely got better about that as I got older, you know, find something you like to do that keeps you in shape. Um, and the other thing is like I said, making sure you can sleep at night. It's not just what tasks are going to keep me up it's what decisions that i make that i'm going to regret right like regret will keep you up trouble not so much trouble always comes finding you so if i did something that's going to get me in trouble i can sleep just fine at night because that trouble will find me if it needs to um, but if i do something that i'm going to regret or not doing something and regretting that you know that'll keep me up at night so i just that's where tenure plays a role i guess but i don't do stuff i'm going to regret anymore um I do what I think I need to do and I sleep really well at night. Oh, I really like the way you talked about that. Trouble's going to find you. Yeah. And then not doing stuff that you regret. Cause I think you're right. Like the, the sleeping and the taking care of yourself, like everything you're saying, you know, that those are the things that we hear from everybody. So that's what it's like, then what, why don't we do it? Why aren't we making that the priority? Right. And you're right, sleep is, that's what will ruin it for everything, right? The whole next day then is ruined if you don't sleep. Too. So, <laughs> Pretty much. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. Thank you for coming on Zelda. It was great to see you. Again, thank you everyone for being here today. This was Dr. Patrick LeClaire. He's the chair of physics at the University of Alabama. He is also my big brother. And hopefully you learned a little bit more about physics today, but hopefully you also learned the ways that Patrick approaches his life. And hopefully there are some snippets in there that will help you approach some of the stressors that you have as well. So thanks again for tuning in today. Have a wonderful day. Thanks, Pat. Thanks. Here are some of my takeaways. Staying curious can be really rewarding as a physicist. Continually modifying and making things better is truly a science, but we can do this in our everyday lives as well. Even if you aren't a physicist, 
You can experiment with how to adjust components to feel whole in your life. Looking at the world and really brainstorming how to navigate through a pandemic can be challenging. We want to take the safest route possible, but at some point we have to find new normalcy while taking as many precautions as possible. Being transparent in current situations is truly a gift to everyone around you as you find your footing moving forward. Sometimes you realize that you've outgrown the spaces that you're in and you find yourself being pulled to other things. Allowing yourself to explore and be curious about new things can completely change the trajectory of your life and career. You will always have too much to do. Figure out where 90% is good enough. See where risk versus reward is most efficient for you. Ask yourself, what will happen if you say no? Protect your energy where you can to keep moving the needle forward. Make a list of priorities. What is most important? What will keep coming up if you do not get it done? Choose the tasks that will help you sleep at night and that will help pay off for your mental load. Surrounding yourself with others that are eager to learn is infectious and keeps you excited in your day-to-day -day life. With all of the uncertainty in the world, writing things in pencil is a really great idea. Lean into that flexibility where you can and take it one day at a time. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you found it to be time well spent during your busy life. I'll be here next Tuesday with another episode. Bye.